0: About to admit something to you, and you're like, "Oh, the pastor's superstitious." Okay, uh, you, uh, you'll get you'll get it in a minute. Okay, so um, so I uh, and I'm all, there's only really one thing that I'm superstitious about, and that's about my beloved Seattle Seahawks. Okay, and so I'm a big Seahawks fan. For those you don't know, and and uh, last year uh, they made the playoffs. They weren't supposed to be very good last year. They were ended up being very good, and and they made the playoffs. And and so the superstitions in my family is first of all the games are not televised very often, but when they are, you know, it's it, it's a there's a Pattern to things that you can't break from, and if you have ever seen those Budweiser commercials, that say, it's only weird if it doesn't work. That's my home, okay? Like you know, and so we be- we make a homemade cheese dip, a whole big bowl of it, right? And that has to be made, or it jeopardizes the team's winning and their success. And uh, and then we all have to get our jerseys on, and and you know, and and then I can't really have anyone else in the home except the immediate family because. I praise them with my lips, okay? And I'm yelling at the TV. I'm embarrassed. I wouldn't want anyone to see me in this endeavor. And so last year, they made the playoffs. They won the first game against the, um, who'd they win? Anyway, the Redskins, I think. They won, they beat the Redskins. And so, and, uh, and so then they had their second game. And the second game of the playoffs you know, happened to fall on our membership class. Here at Coastal, it was a Sunday morning, a Sunday afternoon around one o'clock, the Seahawks were playing. And I was trying to debate if I should keep my job or go home and watch the Seattle Seahawks play. I decided to keep my job, you know. And so I went home and uh, when I got home, uh, I found out that it was halftime and the Seahawks were losing 20 to nothing at that point. And I looked in my family room, and there were my boys, and they didn't have their jerseys on, and they had a friend over, which already was like, that's taboo, you know? And they had a friend over, and they hadn't made the cheese dip yet, and I'm like, what is going on, right? And so I uh, quickly whipped up the cheese dip, I said, boys, go get your jerseys on, and if you remember the game, which you probably don't, but I remember because it's dear to my heart, the Seahawks came storming back, and in the final few minutes took the lead, and I knew it was because we finally had the mojo right, you know, And then something happened. A friend came over and ruined the mojo. As they walk in in the final two minutes, I'm like, you can't be here right now, you have no idea. And sure enough, they lost in the final two minutes. Is anybody else weird like that? You know, okay, I'm the only one. So, you know, that's how I watch the game. And and what's interesting is what comes out of my mouth is what I place value on, right? I mean I should be a coach, you know. I'm yelling all kinds of things, but you know, and 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 praise is what we value, what what's in our heart and what comes out of our lips. And and tonight we're going to talk about the idea of praise. And so uh, this is a really uh, important book end to Psalms, okay? Psalm 1, if you remember, is what's called a wisdom psalm, and, and the psalmist kind of challenges us, like, in your life, you're walking on one of two journeys, okay? You're either walking with God, and, and if you're walking with God, your life sinks down roots and produces fruit. It's spiritual and eternal and all those things. Or you're walking a journey without God, and Psalm 150 kind of bookends that perfectly because a person that's walking with God and journeying with God is, is kind of intersecting with the divine, if you will, and when that happens, the overflow of a heart that's engaged with the things of God will be praised to and for God. It's really incredible. In fact, I'm going to push you tonight, okay? I'm going to push some of you tonight. My gut tells me it's probably some of the guys, but that, that might be, not be entirely true. If you gather in here and you struggle with singing praise, I'm going to push you to, is your heart Full of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is a natural overflow. If you're passionate about the things of Christ to sing praise because you're gonna praise the things that you value. Some of you in this room, if all kidding aside, if I pushed you far enough, you probably do praise your sports teams more than you praise the living God. And so I want you to see Psalm 150. It's a great psalm. Ready? Psalm 150, the psalmist writes: Praise the Lord and praise him in his sanctuary, and praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise him for his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn, and praise him with the lyre and the harp, and praise him with the tambourine and with dancing. Praise him with strings and with flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. I feel like you know a couple of our drummers wrote that line. And then it says, um, and let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. And the psalm book, the song book of the people of God closes with this line, praise the Lord. And here's what I want you to see, a couple things tonight. And we're we're actually going to close in response to this psalm tonight. We're going to close by singing some praises tonight. That's the goal. All right, I want you to just respond to it. The first thing I want you to see is is that praise is really a little bit of when heaven and earth collide. It's, It's a little bit of heaven comes to earth. The divine meets, the, meets humanity, if you will. Psalm 150 verse 1 says, praise the Lord, praise him in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise happens when God's people recognize and acknowledge the true and living God. Let me say that again. Praise happens when God's people recognize and acknowledge the true and living God. Notice it says, praise him in his sanctuary, okay? And, and you guys know that I'm super passionate about not calling this room the sanctuary. In fact, it's, oh, it's really funny to me that the people that know me well know I don't like calling this the sanctuary. When they get around me, they never know what to call this room, okay? They're like, it, it, the, the room over there, you know? And, and, and the reason it's not the sanctuary is because God doesn't live here, okay? Uh, the New Testament, with the deposit of the third person, the Trinity in our heart, where the Holy Spirit takes up residence, the New Testament is very, very clear. Our bodies are the temple of God. We're the sanctuary our hearts, and God, and now we are to gather corporately in a place and sing praises to God to be sure. Okay, but God doesn't live here. But the psalmist reminds me: man, we gather and we sing praises, and that's where heaven and earth collide; they meet. And, and it's when we recognize the character of our God, we recognize the working of our God, we recognize the God that we worship, the God that we serve. He is limitless and timeless and powerful, and he's all-knowing. He's the God of the universe. And here's the incredible thing, church. He intersects with our lives. It's an incredible thing. The, the God of the universe is, is, is intimately interested in your life if that doesn't make you want to stand up and sing some praises to him, I'm not sure what does. It's what this whole Christmas story is that he sent his one and only son to to pay a debt he didn't owe so that we could have relationship with him. Our God is is a God who's interested in us. And so praise is the overflow of the divine God working in and through what is seemingly insignificant, our little lives. And God does that. And so we gather and we praise him. You know, <clears throat> praise is, is just interwoven. You're gonna see that here tonight briefly. It's just interwoven throughout the scriptures. It's all over the place. I love the Christmas story. One of my actually one of my favorite parts of the <clears throat> Christmas story is 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 when the shepherds are, are keeping watch over their flock by night and and the angels are so excited about the the story of the Messiah coming to earth a savior being born there'd be peace on earth and redemption and reconciliation between god and men and, and and, and the, it's it's such an exciting moment that the only way it can be announced is when these host of angels show up and start singing and what's interesting is, is they show up to a bunch of shepherds that are doing their jobs. Now, in Bible times, the shepherd was like the lowest of the low. It was like the worst job you could have. And when you were bringing up your kids, you would say to your kids, now, kids, if you don't get good grades, you don't stay in school, you're going to end up being a shepherd all your life. I mean, that's how, that was kind of how that went, right? And, but what's interesting is here we find these shepherds are doing what they're supposed to do. They got their, their attentive to the task that God has given them, and God finds them worthy to show up and say, listen... I'm doing this great thing. I've sent the Messiah. And so you know the story. They say the child is going to be wrapped in clothing. You'll find him in a manger in Bethlehem. And sure enough, they go and they show up and they they worship the newborn king. They worship the Messiah. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says this. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and what? What's it say? Praising God. You see, when God moves, when God intersects, praise comes out of our lips. Let me push you again. If, there's, if you're having a hard time engaging in praise, let me ask you something. Is God moving in your life? Is the gospel message sunken? Have you understood how incredible the God of the universe is? He loves you. He's intersected with our lives. He says, they went back praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just that the angel told them. And by the way, praise is not based on circumstance. I think a lot of times maybe you're here and you're heading into Thanksgiving season and You know, we're heading into the the holiday season, and it always seems like, you know, you watch enough TV, and there's always a Christmas miracle for other people, right? I mean, just everybody seems to be getting the holiday spirit. Sometimes, maybe you're not there this year. Maybe maybe this has been a difficult year. Maybe there's a a loved one that's not going to be around the table this year. Maybe there's no one to celebrate Thanksgiving with. But praise is not circumstantial. You have to understand this. Praise is where the divine intersects with your life. We see this in Paul and Silas. They were the first missionaries taking the church out to new, new people, and, and, and they got imprisoned for preaching the name of Jesus. And as they're in prison, in Acts chapter 16, it says it was around midnight, and Paul and Silas were praising and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I mean, get this. These guys are in a jail cell. They're shackled to a wall. Why are they praising? Because they understand, man, what they're doing is a God thing, and God has called them to do it, God is with them. They understood that regardless of their circumstances, they were doing something in their lives that was bigger than they could understand, and the result is praise. In fact, the result in this passage, if you read on, is not only praise to God, but it's the salvation of others. And so heaven and earth meet when, when God's people gather for praise. Okay, there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a special and it's a divine thing when God's people gather for praise. Church, let me encourage you. When we we walk in here, okay, again, God doesn't live here, but it is a special thing when we gather to sing praises to God. I mean, why don't we just I mean, why's church gotta be this way? Why, why can't we just play a video and go home? Why why you know, why don't we why do we have music? Why do we sing so many songs? I mean, I don't really like the music anyway, you know, or whatever. It's a taste thing or whatever. But we gather because it's a it's an opportunity for God's corporately for us as people, followers of Christ, to gather and praise In fact, Hebrews chapter ten says, you know, don't stop don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because there is something unique and special when God's people gather for praise. One of the things I love is I I up, I usually sit up front, and um, man, I love to sit up front because I get to hear everyone else kind of singing forward, you know. And, and there are weeks that I'm here that I, I, I get chills, man. And it's, it's really special to hear the people of God gather and praise His character and His works and what He's done and who He is. It's an awesome thing. We have a great opportunity. Why? Because heaven and earth collide when God's people gather for praise. Here's the second thing I want you to see out of the psalm, and that's the focus of our praise. I want you to see the focus of our praise. The psalmist writes this Not only is it we have this unique, special opportunity where heaven and earth collide, but praise, but but we praise God for his mighty works. Look at Psalm 150, verse 2. We praise God for his mighty works, we praise his unequaled greatness. Want you hear that again? We praise his unequaled greatness. First thing the psalm says: We praise God for His works. What are what are some of the works of God? Um, I, I would say there's there's many. Okay, but there's two biggies that the scripture kind of hits on over and over again that we can praise God for. One is we praise our God as Creator. We praise our God as Creator, right? I mean. If you, in the last week and a half to two weeks, haven't at some moment driven down the road and, and, and watched the foliage giving up its life slowly, and it'll be rebirthed in the springtime, but giving up its life and going, man, they're dying moments. These leaves are incredible, right? If there hasn't been a tree along the road somewhere along the way that you didn't stop and go, that's I mean, those colors are incredible right? And you haven't praised God as your creator, let me encourage you, okay? There's still time, okay? And if if you wait too long, you can just come to my backyard and start raking, okay? And you can praise God for them as they hit the ground. But, you know, I hope that you'll notice creation sometime. And, and the Psalms, it's just all over the Psalms that we praise God as our creator. Psalm 8, verse 3 says, when I look up at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the the moon and the stars you set in place i i am um, you know i remember one time i was riding home and the moon was coming up on the horizon and it it was just incredible man i mean it was huge and it was in full moon and i remember thinking you know a lot of times we make fun of ancient civilizations for worshipping other planets or worshipping the stars but in that moment i was like i could see why you would do that because It was an amazing sight. I mean, if we didn't have all the technology and all the understanding of science that we have today, I I could see how you could look at the moon at that moment and just be literally blown away. We don't worship the moon. We worship the creator of the moon. We worship the one who speaks, and the universe expands and is still expanding today. And the psalm starts the moon and the stars you set in a place. And uh, what are mere mortals that you should think of them, human beings that you should care for them? And Psalm 33 says this about the creator God says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. It's incredible. He breathed the word and the stars were born. He signed the sea, its boundaries. He locked the oceans in its vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Credible, right? Credible. I find it hard to believe that How people can study science and study the globe and study whatever, whether you're expanding the universe or drilling down into the subcellular part of humanity, right? I don't know how you can't look at that and go, this didn't just happen. It's way too complex. I've I've showed you guys statistics before of of the almost absurd... possibility that this would happen by chance. The the, the mathematical numbers is, is ridiculous, okay? You'd be better off betting on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the Super Bowl this year, okay? I saw your show. I just couldn't resist, all right? But man, we got a great creator God, you know, that just... Just kidding. I'd really ruined the moment, didn't I? All right, we have a great creator, God, and we worship him, you know, and, and we praise him because he's great. He speaks and the cosmos exists. In fact, Romans one says, you know where where humanity usually gets really down a dark and awful path is when they forget that one simple truth. That's Romans one. When humanity forgets that there's a creator and begins to go down their own thinking and their own way, and and before long, Romans 1, 18 to to 32, we're not going to unpack that. Man gets really twisted in their thinking from just this one thing, this one work of God. So let me encourage you, church, if if you want to pick one thing this week to praise God, praise him that he's a creator. Praise Him for His awesomeness. The the second work that you could praise Him for is the work of redemption, the work of buying back lost humanity, broken humanity, sinful humanity. Hopefully, you were here last week, and that's what we focused on. We did the two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we reminded ourselves of the high cost to God for our salvation, that it costs God His his one and only Son. um, I've been illustrating tonight with the with the Christmas story, but, you know, the Christmas story is uh, the announcement from the heavens when the, when the angels did show up to the shepherds. Here's what they said in Luke chapter 2. It says, but the angels reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he's, he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Maybe the greatest work of God is that he, he saw his broken creation and he loved us enough to send us a savior. I hope you'll take some time this week as we prep for Thanksgiving to praise God for his works, the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Psalmist goes on to say we praise our God because of his unequaled greatness. God's greatness has no equal. It's not even close. You know, a lot of us, we, we praise a sports team or we praise another human being or we praise our success or we praise someone else's success or we praise a particular leader or we praise a particular political candidate and we're engulfed in our hearts with praising all the wrong things. I was reading this week in, in 2 Kings chapter 19, it was this great story about how uh, um, there was an enemy to the people of Israel and this enemy was strong and the king's name was King Sennacherib and King Sennacherib was just rolling over one country after the next and he, he had camped around the people of Israel and he he began to uh, to talk trash, if you will, with the, to the king of Israel. He said, don't tell your people to trust in God because I've already rolled over every other city and their God yours is next. And God sent a prophet to Hezekiah and he said, don't you worry, I'm going to be with you. And he goes on to say, I am going to put a hook in Sennacherib's nose and I'm going to put a bit in his mouth and I'm going to drag him back to where he came. Why? For his glory. For his glory. Sennacherib got up the next day and 200,000 soldiers were inexplicably killed. They were dead. You want to know why? Why? You don't mess with the greatness of our God. You can mock it or you can join in praise. And I want to encourage you if you're here tonight that you will join in praise because his greatness is unequaled, the psalmist says. There is no leader on this earth that's bigger than the sovereignty and the power and the might of our God. And so Psalm 150 verse 2 says, We praise him for his mighty works and we praise him for his unequaled greatness. And so praise, is a, our focus is on the works and the greatness of God. We place our value on that. Next, the psalmist shows us how to praise, okay? says we praise him with music. Music's a great thing. Music's a gift from God. If you, if you pay special attention to your Bible as you're reading, you're going to begin to see music all over the place. It just, it just bubbles out by the way, much of the music in our culture, it's praising something, isn't it? Right? It's praising a party. It's praising sex. It's praising the human body. Right? It's praising drugs. It's praising getting high. It's praising getting drunk. I mean, music naturally praises something. We have an opportunity to, to praise the exceeding greatness of our God the unequaled greatness of our God. And so the psalmist says, Psalm 150, verse three, praise him with the blast of a ram's horn, praise him with the lyre and the harp, praise him with the tambourine, with dancing, praise him with strings and fruits flutes, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with loud and clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's all over the scriptures. You want to know what happened when the people crossed the Red Sea? Remember? People of Israel backed up against the Red Sea. Nation of Egypt's chasing after them. Moses parts the Red Sea. The people get across safely. The, the Red Sea swallows up their enemies. You want to know what the first thing they did when they got to the other side? They praised with music. So, first they have. You want to know what happened, what the people of Israel did after David killed Goliath? They began to pray. There, you can read it for yourself. It's in First Samuel. There's a song, and they start singing. You know, David's killed his ten thousands and Saul's killed his thousands. It's just praise. You want to remember this summer when we went through Romans and we went through some really difficult passages. A lot of y'all got, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. You want to know what Paul gets to, does at the end of chapter 11 when he gets done kind of contemplating the mysteries of God and how he works salvation in our hearts and in the hearts of the universe? You know what he does? He starts praising God. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. The people of God, when they're engaged with God, Their hearts are focused on God. The natural overflow is singing and praise with our lips and with instrumentation. In fact, I'm going to make a bold statement. I was kind of heading towards this all night, all right? If you're here tonight, when we gather here and we sing, there's not a whole lot of praise coming to your mouth. I want to challenge you deeply. How deeply has the gospel message and the saving grace of God really sunk into your heart? I want to push you on that a little bit tonight, because I hear this from time to time, and I don't get it. Hey, you know what? Uh, I really like the preaching, but I, you know, I don't necessarily need to be there for the music, to which I go, what? What? What if the preaching of the word is sunk into your heart and you understand the high cost of your righteousness in God's sight? The cost to God, not to you, that his own son, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, died a death he didn't deserve and conquered death, and we have hope because of the person and work of Christ. How can anything less than praise come out of our mouths? Church, we've got to gather and we've got to sing praise to our God. I get the the privilege of sitting here for three services, all right? And for the most part, I try to be in here for all three services and hear the music, okay? Why? Because, man, I, I sense the, the movement of God in our hearts when we're singing. I sense it. Last week, it, for me, it was the 11 o'clock service. Maybe it was because I was finally done leading all three services, and I just got to sit for a minute. And, and on the closing song, I think we sang Man, um, sang man of Sorrow's Man, I didn't want to leave. I mean, I was like, when Joey wrapped it up, I was like, uh, Really? I mean, it was awesome to hear the people of God praising the person and the work of God. Church, we praise Him with music, and that is a special opportunity for us to sing truths to God and about God. The final thing is, and it's a simple thing, right? It's the command to praise. The psalmist gives us command to praise. Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath Sing praises to the Lord. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is it's what we call the triumphal entry. He's, he's entering into Jerusalem. It's his final week before he gets crucified. And as he's entering, you know the story. Some of you will know the story. Like the people are praising him, right? They're throwing their garments down for his, for him to walk on, and and actually many of them are are quoting from the Psalms. In fact, uh, one of them is Psalm one forty eight, where they're they're basically praising Jesus as the Messiah. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they recognize what's happening, and they look at Jesus, and he they say. Hey, make them stop. Make them stop saying this to you. Like you, like they're giving praises that are reserved for the Messiah. And Jesus doesn't put them off. He doesn't say, "I'm not the Messiah." You're right. I'll tell them stop. No, you know what? He, remember what he says. Some of you know what he says. If I tell them to stop, if they don't praise God. The rocks will cry out in praise. Right. And I think he maybe he had Psalm 150 in his mind saying, no, the rocks aren't going to cry out. It's the people with breath in their lungs that are to praise God. Remember last week I, I read from Psalm 6. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember that. I kind of wrapped up the service. With you know what I did it on? I did it on two services Sunday morning. I don't think I did it on Saturday night. I wrapped up with Psalm 6. You guys can read that tonight. But that psalm in the middle of it says, if I go to the grave, who is going to praise you? I love that. In other words, he says, he's, he's not saying keep me alive just to keep me alive. He's not just saying get me through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. He's saying, God, keep me alive. Keep breath in my lungs so that through my life, I'm going to be the one that praises you. You can keep the rock silent. I'm going to praise you through my life. I want to encourage you tonight. We are going to close with singing tonight. I want to encourage you. I hope that you will take the breath, however many you got left till God calls you home to be with him, to praise God from beginning to end. Regardless of the circumstance, the psalmist says, let everything that has breath give praises to God. Many, many years ago, my, uh, uh, my wife had a collection of um, Precious Moments, and I know they're not probably not as popular as they were back then. How many of y'all have Precious Moments? Any of y'all collect them? And so, so what happened was, anytime I got in trouble or did something stupid, I would buy her a Precious moment. So she had a lot of them, and um, so uh, we had mounted them on a on a shelf that hung on our back wall near in our first house near our back door. And I guess because of the opening and closing of that door that shelf got loose and, and one day it collapsed and all these precious moments slid and broke and I think only two survived you know and uh and my I remember my wife trying to piece them back together you know trying to glue them back together and they just they look weird when they're glued back together you know it's not not quite as precious and uh you know it's just not good and I remember her doing that and and I remember thinking that's kind of the message of the gospel only God, when He pieces us back together, doesn't look weird. See, the message the the message of the gospel is not that we gather here and we praise God because we're good. Now, if 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 that's what you've heard tonight, you've heard the wrong message. The message of the gospel is sin has broken and marred us; has left us a mess. But the God of the universe loves us enough that he's He's piecing us back together and everything, sin included, can be used for his glory when we turn it over to him. And so when we gather here corporately, what we get to do is a bunch of broken people that God says these are precious moments that you can gather and you can sing praise for the goodness and the gospel and the glory of of God. And so my hope tonight is that we will respond as a church by singing praise to our God for His gospel message. And my hope tonight is that you will go out of here this week as you prep for Thanksgiving and look for opportunities to give praise to Him I'm going to invite the band back up here, and I'm going to close with prayer. Do me a favor. Bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Let's, God, we want to thank you for your greatness. It's exceeding. We want to thank you for your creation. We give you praise as creator. We want to thank you for the breath that you've given us tonight, God, that for one more night the rocks and the inanimate objects can be kept silent. We, God, your people, will praise your name. God, we go into the week of Thanksgiving and, um, man, we, we have a lot to be thankful for. I am sure everybody in this room, if we really sat back and began to count some of our blessings, we would we would be overwhelmed. And so we want to begin that week, the week in preparation, Thanksgiving, but as your church family just sitting back and and thinking of a reason to give you praise. Church, I want you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed and we're gonna open with a song that is going to reflect and we're going to sing about the character of God. We are going to praise God because he's good. And so before Scott leads us, I just want to encourage you, take one moment and think about an area in your life that you can give praise to God because he's good.